You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Alright, I was excited to preach on Luke 6 today, <clears throat> but while we were worshiping, I just sensed that I'm not supposed to do that. So, we're going to just go with the senses here and talk about the Holy Spirit today. As we get into 2023, this would be uh, one of my biggest gifts and hopes that I could extend to you as a richer life with the Holy Spirit. Uh, 2022 had ups and downs for me, probably did for you too, but of all of the things that it had that so many years before it did not have, it was just a very vibrant and rich life, plugging into God, listening to him, seeing his things, his ministry at work, and just going with the flow. And you have been a part of that too. I mean, part of the reason I didn't plan on preaching on this, because that's what we did Wednesday night for Spare Um, is we just leaned into renewal, refreshment, um, empowerment by the Holy Spirit, and just asked for God to come and fill us afresh. I mean, we, we worshiped for almost two hours this past week, which was about an hour more than we usually do. Um, and I just sense that we're supposed to keep leaning into that today. And maybe that's part because that is the Methodist tradition. John Wesley was a not great evangelist in the States, went horribly, uh, could not get it together, did not do a great job pastoring, had a lot of bitterness and legalism in him. He ends up back home in Europe, and he's sitting there listening to the preface of Martin Luther on the Book of Romans. Someone's reading it, and he says that famous line that many Methodists have heard before, his heart was strangely warmed. And from that day on, something just changed. They gathered together as a bunch of pastors to read into what God was up to. Um, sorry, they gathered together to pray into what God was up to. And as they're doing that, they find themselves on the floor just crying out. The Holy Spirit comes on them. And they don't have, I think, too many uh, things to really compare this to other than a few other movements that they had heard of with these rather charismatic types. But the Holy Spirit comes on them and they're just caught up in this moment. And it goes from there, from a heart strangely warmed by God's love to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, to going out in the fields and defying everything that church seemed to be about to people at the time. Because church could only happen in a building. It was considered kind of blasphemous if you went outside of the building and did church out there. But John Wesley started teaming up with another guy named George Whitfield, and the two of them started seeing revival pouring out. They would go out in fields, and they would start preaching, and people would show up and get saved. And the Methodist tradition today, when we think about Methodism throughout the years, we're always thinking like, ah, yes, this very logical, scholarly, um, uh, kind of reasonable focus of faith. That's what Methodism is. Because when we look at Methodists today, that's, that's a lot of what we see. But that's John Wesley, yeah, he was logical and smart and read his Bible like crazy and wrote some great doctrinal work. But that, that's not why people went into fields to listen to a guy preach. People weren't just like, oh, gee, I'd really like to hear some doctrine today. 
Oh, in Europe at the time, everybody was very much drunk. That was kind of the societal issues that they had at the time. And, and people are finding their way into these places of church out in fields because they want to know what these psycho Christians are all about. Because stories are getting around. that People are falling to the floor and shaking around under the power of the Holy Spirit, apparently. That people are being healed, that demons are being cast out, that all these crazy things are happening. And so they show up to check it out. And then many of them come to find Jesus in that moment. They're not searching after John Wesley. They're not searching after some really nicely sounding sound doctrine. They're, they're searching after God. They want to know if this is legit or not. And ever since then, that has been the way in which many churches that grow by the power of God, that's, that's the way in which they grow. I remember I got to this Pentecostal church in Jackson, spent a few years there, uh, one or two years there. And when we got there, it wasn't that big. But as we just kept pressing into worship, we saw things happen. I mean, worship wasn't just five songs and then move on to the message. It wasn't a preface to anything we were getting to. It wasn't like this thing that you had to do. Worship was this thing where you just poured out your heart before God. There's a lady with a breathing machine. I think maybe the best example of just what Pentecostal worship is like. Lady hauls her breathing machine to the front of the church and just falls prostrate. Prostrate. Dang it, I tried to use the right one. I tried so hard. Use the right one. I tried so hard to use the right one. Falls. That word, which one was it? Straight. Prostrate on the ground. Kind of like cross symbol arms out, breathing machine next to her lying on the ground. That's what Pentecostal worship is like. And it's no wonder that the Holy Spirit shows up. He's wanted there. They can't move on to the next thing until he shows up. That kind of Pentecostal movement, like that's got roots in things like Methodism. Azusa Street. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he doesn't just show up in ways that, that tangibly uh, are supernatural around you. He shows up in, in some real societal ways as well. Azusa Street, in a time of segregation and racism, black and white people were coming together to worship. And it was a sight for all to see. It started just out on porches, people preaching and getting into these ecstatic states as the Holy Spirit would come on it, and people kind of lining up in the street like, what on earth is going on with these people? And then moves into a barn as it continues to grow. And at that time, despite the segregation, it just continued to grow. That society was coming together. I mean, that's what Pentecost is really about. It's the Holy Spirit pouring out and racism being done away with as the family of God unites across Gentiles and Jews across every language. I mean, that's literally where it starts, the outpouring of all the cultures of languages. And then they take that in and they begin to push it out to the rest of the world. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, too. It's societal. It's new creation breaking through into our realm right now. And so often we come together for church and these are not the focuses we have. So what kind of thing can we learn today? And that's usually the main thing in a lot of churches today. Sometimes the worship, but usually like what kind of thing are we going to learn today? 
How many stars would I leave on this church as I church shop to try to find the place where I can learn the most? If learning is what church is all about, then we're screwed because podcasts are going to take over soon enough and replace church. Church is about more than that. It's about an encounter with the Holy Spirit as the family of God. And sometimes those encounters will be rich and deep. And sometimes they will feel sparse. And the question becomes in that sparseness, are you willing to still be faithful? Are you willing to still press in? Spare um this week, two hours in worship. Guess what kind of crazy things happened? Not much. Maybe a word or two. Two words that seem to be the same word were said by the end of the night in two different ways. If you're going to something like that because it's like, well, I want to see a whole lot more, well, then we're missing the point. The point is faithfulness regardless of what's poured out. But you know, when a word comes and someone needs a word like that, though that may have seemed like a small moment, that's enough to chisel at someone. That's enough to change the trajectory of where they're headed because the family of God came together and the Holy Spirit spoke. And what good is the church if it does not have the Holy Spirit speaking? If you want a human effort, go literally anywhere else. But if you want a new resurrected humanity that is listening to their Father in heaven, give them instructions as to what to do on the earth and speaking it out over each other so that lives are chiseled in the correct directions, then go to church. And if your church can do church without the Holy Spirit, then go somewhere else because that's not church. That's a country club. Man, this year, I don't know if you guys have seen the Christmas videos of Christmas pageants that churches have put on. You've got drummers hovering through the air. (laughs) Everywhere you look, they're raining down because they're hanging up and they're just playing drummer boy up there. And and a bunch of weird secular songs being covered as Mary gets up to sing, I like it, I want it, I buy it. You know, like, (laughs) you get it, girl. Mother Mary, she wants it all for her wedding. A bunch of really honestly just ridiculous things. Because we got to save people. This is the way. No, it's not. The way is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that himself. I preach in parables so only the ones who need to get it will understand. Because they have the secret of heaven and the Holy Spirit. I believe he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. Will unlock it for them so that they understand. The disciples often came up to Jesus like, I don't understand what you just said. And he'd be like, how? (laughs) You're supposed to understand it because you guys, you have that secret to the kingdom of heaven. You have the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to understand it. Trying to create these huge, ridiculous displays of ridiculousness (laughs) and attempts to reach people when Jesus was all about speaking it out and letting the Holy Spirit do the work, like, We've gone above and beyond in the weirdest ways imaginable. I'm all for cool floating drummers, but, you know, the rates to which we go to reach people has just kind of become ridiculous. Whereas when the Holy Spirit shows up, he does the work himself. He plants the seed. He waters. And that small Pentecostal church I was at, it grew over time. And that church, that church was flawed. <laughs> it was the same message Every single week. It was oftentimes getting caught up in extravagant, uh, extravagant emotion rather than the experience of the Holy Spirit. 
But despite all of that, the Holy Spirit would still meet us in that place and the church grew. Suddenly that room was packed with people because they heard the stories of what was happening and they showed up because they wanted to get something. They wanted to meet with God. They wanted to know the community of Christ, his family, and be a part of it. If you want in Jackson as it is in heaven, then you better know the king of heaven and the heaven maker. Because if you think that you can plant heaven in Jackson by your own efforts, then I don't think you understand how heaven works. It is a different kingdom, and it is the kingdom of God's. And just as the fruit of the Holy Spirit is made manifest in you by the Holy Spirit, so is heaven made manifest in Jackson through you by the Holy Spirit. you got to let him chisel and chisel and chisel until he grows you into what he needs you to be. Why did that person just come to Christ? Well, because they saw forgiveness in you, and that seemed odd. They weren't aware of forgiveness before this moment. Everyone had taught them bitterness and hatred and pain. But you showed them forgiveness. They saw the Holy Spirit in that moment. They saw heaven in that moment, and they decided, I want to know more about that. And as the Holy Spirit reveals it to them, they come to Christ. Someone saw you love in a place where you shouldn't love. That was the Holy Spirit's doing. Growing fruit in you so strong that love was your first reaction instead of screaming. Man, church has got to learn that. We have all been to churches where we have found entitlement. Where people are all about their own hearts instead of the Holy Spirit's hearts. Look at the church all around us. We are literally split in half by if we sing hymns or not. That's not the Holy Spirit's doing. Holy Spirit's not like, oh, I can't wait to do I'm I just want the old people over here, the young people over here. I'm gonna I'm gonna change music. <laughs> no, that was that was a problem on our behalf that we did not find a better way to unify that. People talking about their churches being this big because they have two services. You don't have two services, you have two different churches. Your young people don't have old people to instruct them. Because you did not find the line where the Holy Spirit could come and counsel you together to find a better way to do this. Where we all get caught up in our own stubbornness to end up creating two different churches instead of one. Well, we're changing out the pews and putting in chairs instead. Well, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have that happen. I'm out. The things that the church fights about is ridiculous. That is not how we do church. We pursue the Holy Spirit. We let him unify us. We let him make us into a body. We listen to him because he often is progressive, pushing us in new directions. And when we get caught up in our own traditions, we find ourselves stuck in the same place as the Pharisees who couldn't lean into what the Holy Spirit was doing in their time because they were practicing the traditions of men and teaching them as the ways of God. That was Jesus' own critique on the Pharisees. You guys have made a whole bunch of doctrine and you teach it like it's the Bible. When in fact, God is over here doing this thing. The Holy Spirit was progressive in the time of the church. The Holy Spirit, through Jesus and through Paul and through many others, elevated women in a time where they were not elevated. 
the Holy Spirit showed up and did away with racism in a time where racism was very much the expectation of how everybody lived. Peter goes to just tell some Gentiles a message, not showing up to save them, just goes to tell them the message. And while he's preaching the message, the Holy Spirit's like, watch this, Peter. <laughs> Baptizes the Gentiles. And Peter's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it wasn't a part of the plan. Why am I here? Learn the lesson, Peter. The Holy Spirit is at work in your character. He's at work in your society. He's at work in your ways to bring heaven about. And he's at work in your empowerment. And if you want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to be faithful with the small things in order to move into the bigger things. Tongues, for example. While I don't believe that everyone speaks in tongues and that Pentecostals go a little crazy on their doctrine when they're like, you don't have the Holy Spirit if you can't speak on tongues. That's not biblically accurate. At the same time, what's kind of a cool sign about that is if you want to practice the gift of tongues, man, that's going to teach you faith. Many of you in here are very uncomfortable right now. Jamin, what did you just say? I have no idea. Jamin, why did you say it? I have no idea. Jamin, why do you drive your car and do that sometimes? I have no idea. Faith is a great place to start. I don't know what I just did, and I don't know why I just did it. I do know that when I do it during deliverance, that demons get very angry and flustered and are in actual pain sometimes. And so I know it has an effect. And if I can be faithful with this thing I don't understand, maybe I will create the character within myself to be faithful to some of the other things. Because God cannot just dole out some of those upper-level gifts to people if he can't trust them. Have you met what happens when someone gets a strong gift of healing? Look at Jesus. Everywhere he went, a crowd gathered around him. Do you want someone you can't trust to have a crowd around them at all times? <laughs> Preaching the ways of Jesus? No, you don't, because not everyone can do that. I used to have someone who always come up to me, Pastor, I need a megaphone. I need a megaphone, and I need some equipment. Would you pay for it? It's like, you are the last person I would put on the street to preach. <laughs> Not because I don't love you. I love your heart that you're willing to go out there and do that. But no, your messages are horrible. You're always telling people they're going to hell. Do you not understand how preaching works? That's preaching without the Holy Spirit. If you're going to get on the topic of hell, make sure the Holy Spirit is going to guide you well into that topic. There's a guy in a documentary where he's been out there and just holding these signs, basically that, repent or go to hell. And they come up to him in the documentary like, how many, uh, how many people have you seen saved through this? He's like, well, no one yet, but I've only been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> hmm, all right. <laughs> What's the definition of insanity again? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. With the Holy Spirit, though, like Paul, he's able to let God work within his character to show up and speak on the fly and let the Holy Spirit craft where the message goes. Which is actually what Jesus said would happen to some people. 
Jesus said, look, some people are going to take you hostage. They're going to put you before the court, and they're going to try to kill you. And he goes on to say, at that time, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Now, they may still get killed, but when they go to testify in court, Jesus believed that the Holy Spirit would show up and preach the gospel right there in the courtroom through their actions, through the ways that they're living, through the things that they say in that moment. There is a way to speak with the Holy Spirit, and then there are ways in which we speak without him. Are we listening? Are we allowing him to take over every single parts of our heart and every single parts of our church? Do you want to know who God is? Do you want to know his character better? Then you got to know the Holy Spirit. For me, for the longest time, I was used to the, the voices of demons telling me all of these negative things, ripping me apart to the point that I believed them. When COVID hit, those voices got so much stronger as everything was falling into chaos. The chaos inside of my own mind got even stronger. And then one day, I took authority over that, and I told it to go, and I felt it, like, sucked off my head. And for that reason, 2022, for my own personal life, was incredibly different than the 20 years before it. Because those things that were always speaking, always bringing me down, always adding pain and compulsion to my life, it was gone, finally. And I felt like a normal human person who could make my own decisions and think my own thoughts again. And then the Holy Spirit got so much louder. Now, when I drive around, I don't just pray, God, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? I say, God, here's what I'm thinking about. Uh, what's on your mind? And I sense the ability to begin to discern what is him and what is not. Do you want to know who God is? Do you want to know his character? Do you want to know what he thinks about you? Because he's often quiet, but demons are not. I had to remove the loud noises to get to the quieter stuff. When God speaks, it's love. When God speaks, it's not what you expect to hear. When God speaks, words that you begin to discern, like that did not feel like me, begin to pop up. When you speak those words over others changes their direction. When I was a kid, I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. I just thought it was warm fuzzies that you felt sometimes when the music got loud. That was the most I could make of it. Uh, when I got to college, I learned from others who knew him better that he was much more than that. And then when I got to 1208, I started strongly and passionately. We had all these spiritual gifts classes and things like that, and we had a bunch of people who were super interested in it, pushing into it, and we started to see things. But when certain uh, groups and phases of the church moved along and those kinds of things went away, I got caught up in some of the dryness of what Christianity could be, and I began to think maybe this is normal. Maybe this is what it's supposed to be like. And I stayed there. I read my Bible there. I listened to things there. And I got stuck. So when the Holy Spirit poured out in a fresh and new way over 2022, I began to remember what's normal and what's not. I began to remember that, yeah, you got to be faithful in those dry times. But the Holy Spirit is inside of me. 
speaking to me, growing in me, pouring out of me. And that is the way the Christian faith should work. There will always be dry moments. That is totally fine. You have to be faithful in those moments. Teresa of Avila, an old Catholic mystic saint, uh, when she wrote one of her most famous books, she says, I'm doing my best here. Um, There's been a lot of noise in my brains and, and many voices, and I haven't been able to hear God like I used to. But she was faithful, and she wrote a classic. And the Holy Spirit was still there, working through her. Another saint gave us a book called The Dark Night of the Soul, who though he had many kinds of crazy Holy Spirit things attributed, likely to his life, I don't remember him very well. Robbie, you know his name. Is it Christostom? I don't remember. Um, Whatever the case might be, he writes a book about what it's like when it seems like the Holy Spirit is silent. you got to be faithful in those moments. Jesus had to be faithful in those moments. Hanging on the cross, his friends abandoned him. He felt like God abandoned him. He was going to hell, the absence of love and life. You got trauma? Jesus has it too. But he descends into the darkest, most unloving place. And there in that place, the Holy Spirit raises him up. Because that's ultimately where the Holy Spirit is leading us. To new creation. To resurrection life. So if there is something that you have going on in your life, the question can very easily, as to what life should be like, should be framed through resurrection and new creation. Because the Holy Spirit's the creator that brings that about. Just as the Holy Spirit raised Christ Jesus from the dead, so he will raise you from the dead too. A new creation, society is brought together. Therefore, that's where the Holy Spirit is leading us now. A new creation, we don't sin. Therefore, that's where the Holy Spirit is leading us now. A new creation, our boundaries as to how we love are put away, and we treat everyone with the love and respect and care of God. Therefore, we should do that now. A new creation, everything is forgiven. And therefore, we should do that now. When you do these things, you are leaning into the Holy Spirit who brings about new creation. The same Holy Spirit that put creation into being at the beginning of the Bible as he hovered on the face of the deep. That Holy Spirit who created the world in the beginning is creating you now, is creating you fresh in the resurrection and will create again in the new creation. That's the big picture of the Bible. And if your faith does not have the look of the Holy Spirit, you are missing out. During one of my deliverance sessions, I'd have them imagine themselves going to water a plant that, that uh, um, represented their own life. They could off, the Holy Spirit would use that plant to show them how they were doing. It might be wilting some days. It might be strong. It might be be uh, affected by something that would let them know what they needed to take care of. Whatever the case, would, one day I was like, go, go and water that plant. 
And every time they take the watering can to do that, the Holy Spirit would just pick it up himself and do it. That's not your water. <laughs> That's mine. I do the watering. Do you let him water? Do you let him grow? The new creation seed is already there. Now give him the space to continue to water and grow and bring to fruition the kinds of things that he's bringing to fruition. The Holy Spirit is not just empowerment. He is so much more. And the Christian life cannot be done without him. We're going to move into a time of communion. Of course, this is a representative of Jesus' life given for us. The bread represents his body. It was broken. We break the bread just as he did to represent his broken bones and flesh on our behalf. Given to us freely because the ways of heaven and the ways of the Holy Spirit led Jesus to bring about new creation through his own self-sacrifice. And so we enter into that sacrifice and put our lives on the line for others as self-sacrifice. And the pouring out of his blood that brought about the forgiveness of sins and brought about the, the new creation that we are stepping into. Or the Jesus himself did not finish the communion meal. He said he would partake of the final cup in heaven with us. So the new creation resurrection cup of life, we take this recognizing that there's another cup we will take as a body one day as we all come together in the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So as you take it, lean into the Holy Spirit. Ask him for more. Your father likes to give good gifts to those who ask him. So ask for that gift. What is it that you've been wanting? What kind of sin have you been wanting to overcome? Jesus can overcome it. What kind of healing are you desperate for right now? Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's physical. Ask him. See what happens. Who do you need to forgive? The Holy Spirit will help you. Ask him. Jesus, we come before you right now. Your servants. And this whole faith thing does not work out unless you, you bring it to life inside of us. In every conceivable way. So as we take communion today, as we partake in your own body, would our bodies be healed and empowered and grown to a place that you're calling us to? As we move into another year here, would you bring about a fuller, richer Christian life than we had before? Drive out the other voices. Become the only voice that we cooperate with. Be near to us. Be real to us. Jesus 12.08 has its own difficulties, but as long as we got you. And we have the faith to carry through.
And I think back to even reveal that one of the words that was in someone's heart was 1208 was going to, uh, through reveal, be a way to trickle into all these other churches. That people would come from their churches, be affected by what we did through the Holy Spirit, and then be sent back to their churches to bring about that kind of yeast of the Holy Spirit within their church in new ways. Oh, that's, that's us. And it's always kind of been a 1208 staple. Raising up people, showing them the ways of the Spirit in all kinds of ways, and then sending them out to other places. May we always continue to have that kind of vibe. Now, regardless of size, regardless of difficulty at any given time, the Holy Spirit might be made manifest here in all the unique ways in which you manifest. And just as the Spirit puts down walls between people, so you do that with your blood. We are all partaking of the same cup, of the same body. Communion is the great equalizer. We are all at the same exact level. There is no socioeconomic difference between us and Christ. We are all the same. Through the Spirit made manifest. So, come and do that now.